Boxbox F1 Pod. Today we're prepping for the Miami Grand Prix and I am doing something a little different, a video podcast where I will chat about all things Miami as I make my F1 meal of the week. I did dress for the occasion, if you can see. I'm wearing hot pink sweatshirt and sweatpants. Um, weirdly enough, all my hot pink clothes is formal wear, uh, except for these sweats. So I guess we can call it Miami in the Pacific Northwest or Lewis in the paddock on a random Thursday. Um, anyways, if you want to follow along, I'll link the video in the show notes and apologies in advance. I've never done anything like this before, and I am most definitely probably pretty bad at it. <laughs> so bear with me. Anyways, without further ado, it's time for the digital warm up. Do do do. Lap one, box box pit stop. So I know I usually cook food based on whatever country we're in, but I don't really feel like making Miami food. I don't eat much ham or seafood. So, um... And we have two more American races, so I have plenty of time to make shitty American food. So instead, I thought I'd make something a bit different. Uh, last week, I saw an article from Food 52 about um, a woman named Kate Reed, who is a former F1 engineer turned chef. And um, after the F1 fast life got a bit too much for her, I guess, which to be honest, I don't know how anyone manages an F1 like life. It doesn't seem sustainable at all. But after a super successful career, but after a super successful career um, in Formula One as an engineer, Kate Reed returned home to Melbourne, where she became a pastry chef. Um, now she owns like five bakeries across Australia, and um, she makes a whole bunch of stuff. But she's most known for her croissants, which makes sense because the place is called Lune Croissant. Croissanterie? Don't know if I said that right. Anyway, um, she also recently watched a cookbook called Loon Eating Croissants All Day Every Day, which I guess is why she had this article featured about her in Food 52. Um, but they are sharing a recipe from her for chocolate dipped croissant biscotti, which pay homage to like both Italian biscotti for coffee and croissants. And I felt like what better food to symbolize Formula One, then the two biggest motorsport teams in the world, countries in the world, France and Italy. So here we are. Um, I also wanted to pay respects to my newfound hero as of like four days ago, Kate Reed, who has made a career out of the two things I now love the most, food and F1. All right. So I'll be making that as I chat about the GP weekend and I will link the article and recipe so you can follow along and try it out as well if you want, but here's a quick rundown of what I'm going to do. I am going to slice croissants um, that I have frozen previously and then dip them into cream that I have warmed up already. Da -da -da. Um, then I'm going to bake them in the oven for about 30-ish minutes. Um, and then I'm going to temper the chocolate, hopefully correctly. And then I will dip them in the chocolate, let them cool, and hopefully I'll get a chance to try them before this episode is over. So without further ado, let's move on to all things Miami. So lap two off the grid. So before I get into this week, I'm gonna talk about some stuff that I didn't get to talk about before Baku um, because there was just so much going on there. 
Um, first of all, <laughs> Christian told a hilarious story <laughs> about him, Fred, and Toto all flying to Australia together, which is super weird. I thought they flew with their teams. But so they flew together, but Fred, you guys might have, might have heard they talked about it on the broadcast, but Fred ruptured a disc in his back. So he was like dying. Toto had just had like some kind of eye surgery. So he was struggling and Christian was recovering from food poisoning and they're all on this plane together. And it's just like a really amusing image in my head of like all these three powerful team principals just like dying on a private jet together. <laughs> um, speaking of flying, um, in Baku, Pierre said that when they were coming back from Australia, um, he was on a plane with himself, Esteban, George, and Charles, and they called themselves the Loser Club. And, <laughs> and they just sat in the back of the plane getting drunk and crying. Like, Loser Club is such a tragically hilarious name, and I really want to know who came up with it. Probably, probably um, Pierre. Because speaking of Pierre, sorry, getting another Chris on tap. Speaking of Pierre, um, F1 asks all the drivers um, what they're, if they have any nicknames that people don't know about. And Pierre just casually looks directly in the camera, smiles and goes, tripod. Pierre is genuinely one of the most unhinged people I have ever met. And I truly hope he never stops because he literally fuels this podcast. <laughs> we would be nowhere without him. Okay, so fast forwarding to this week, um, and there was a really funny video posted by Charles or of Charles of him like, he had dropped his AirPods in between the deck boards in his, at his house or wherever he was. And he had these giant tweezers that he was using to try to like fish them out from between the cracks. And he was just like dying with laughter. And I haven't seen him that happy, like wheezing and laughing in so long. And it made me really happy. So I hope he loses more. <laughs> I hope he loses more um, stuff between deck cracks in the future. Um, also, <laughs> jumping over to something completely different, but Lando did an interview with uh, Google today or yesterday during the Miami period. And he revealed something incredibly shocking that I still cannot get over. So he said that he wears three different colognes. Louis Vuitton's Le Emenecite, oh, I don't know how to say it, Tom Ford's Ombre Leather and Dior Sauvage, which would all be fine, except he wears them all at once. It's like three flavors of douche, like hitting your senses at the same time. And it's like, Pick one at a time, Lando. You can wear them all, just not at once. I can't imagine that is a good smell. Can you? <laughs> all right, lap three, wedding. So no one got married, don't, don't worry. Um, but I was at a wedding for one of my best friends last week in Hawaii and her boyfriend or, or her husband now, I guess, it's so weird is a uh, French and um, he has an uncle who works in F1 adjacent stuff. And I was very lucky to be sat right next to him during dinner. And, okay, so he works in automotive engineer, uh, automotive marketing that with a company that like sponsors Alfa Romeo or works like 
side by side with Alfa Romeo. So anyway, he was at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. He like, he's been obsessed with F1 since a kid. And so I got drunk at dinner and asked like every possible Formula One question I could have. And I wish I hadn't been that drunk because then I could remember his thoughts a bit more. But here are just some like, a collection of thoughts from this random F1 uncle who just, we just talked about F1 for three hours. <laughs> so he said, Fernando is the best driver, second only to Schumacher. He doesn't rate Hamilton necessarily as high as everyone else does, not to take away from the fact that he's like an exceptional talent and a good driver, just not necessarily as high. He adores Charles and thinks that he has the makings of a champion. I'm gonna burn myself. He adores Charles and thinks he has the makings of a champion. Um, if it weren't for like all the circumstantial stuff that happens to poor Charles all the time. Um, also, he loved the Monica witch theory. He was a big fan. Um, he thinks Daniel is very important to the future of F1 as a sport, but is not necessarily confident that he has as much left to give on track. But again, that could all change depending on how this break goes. Um, he doesn't rate Checo at all. <laughs> <laughs> like at all. Um, he loves Carlos's approach to cars and to driving, but doesn't think that like he's good enough to match Leclerc. Um, he thinks George, Lando and Charles are the best up and coming drivers if given the right circumstances, cars, etc. From a marketing perspective, he loves what McLaren is doing. He thinks they're like outstanding. And obviously I think we all know how he feels about them otherwise. Um, he thinks, this one was really out of, out of pocket. He thinks Hulkenberg is better than Kevin Magnuson. I don't know if I'm missing something about, about Nico, but like he gives me the creeps. <laughs> I don't think he's weird. And I don't think he's that good. He just looks like he's like, Past his prime hot. Um, he also told me that, so we all know that Audi is replacing Alfa Romeo in 2026. But the thing is that that only happens in 2026, but this is Alfa's last year. So they have two years where they're just gonna be like nothing. So I think they're just gonna be called Sauber for two years. I don't know, it seems like really bad planning for whoever did that. But anyway, those were all the thoughts I got from him and I was really excited and I just saw their chair. Sorry if they were a bit boring <laughs> and random. All right, lap four, Met Gala. <laughs> okay, so here I was like refreshing my feed Monday night, waiting for Lewis to pop up on the carpet when suddenly I start to hear, hear like rumblings on TikTok that Daniel's actually there and, and it's not gonna be Lewis. And I keep refreshing and refreshing. And the first video that comes up is Daniel Ricardo standing on the red carpet and like from a distance, he's like watching Anne Hathaway take get her pictures taken. And like his facial expression is like mixture of like half giddy, half proud, just like in the back. It was so cute. It was so, so cute. Um, and then the video to end all videos, I think Allure posted it first, but um, it was like Anne Hathaway turning away from where she was taking pictures and like starting to walk up to, to the Met. And like, I guess out of the corner of her eye, she sees Daniel, 
does like a 180 beelines for him and like goes up to him with her hand outstretched and is like, oh my God, Daniel Ricardo, it's so nice to meet you. And like enthusiastically shakes his hand and you can hear him go, uh, likewise. <laughs> and then she goes, wow, I'm a huge fan of F1. And like, I guess Daniel said something, but not much. It didn't seem like he was saying much. He would, they were just both like, yeah, yeah. And then she walked, like smiled and walked off. <laughs> and I just like, I can imagine Daniel completely freezing up as like Anne Hathaway approaches him, like in all of her like ethereal Anne Hathaway-ness. Like he seems so starstruck. I don't think he could get a single word out, but <laughs> it is the greatest video ever. And I hope someone asks him soon how he felt about it because he seemed dying. He was just dying. Anyway, so Vogue also posted a video of Daniel getting ready to go to the Met and he actually went with designer Tom Brown. And there were a couple of cute moments in that video where he says that like, for example, he loves that he's being dressed by Tom Brown because Tom Brown is known for not buttoning the top button on suits. And he was like, this is a joy for me and my F1 neck. <laughs> Fair enough, probably is quite choking with their giant giant necks. Um, also, he said that he was really nervous about coming to the Met Gala. So he reached out to everyone he knew who had gone to the, who had gone before and, and they gave him his advice. And he was like, they all said, I was going to have a really nice time. It was going to be really fun. Um, and that I would meet a bunch of cool people. And I really want to know if Daniel at the time had any idea that him meeting another person at the Met Gala would be Anne Hathaway fangirling over him on the carpet. Couldn't have even imagined it. Um, but I, I really want to know who he called. Like he definitely called Lewis. I can't imagine him calling Lewis, but he definitely probably texted Lewis. And then who else? Kristen Bell through Dak Shepard. Anyway, very exciting to see Daniel Car Ricardo on the carpet. This was, this was everything. But another thing that came from, from the Met Gala was someone photoshopped Max and George on the carpet and George is wearing a ball gown and the caption said, Max and Princess George attend the Met Gala together, which is obviously a reference to Max's, um, Max's comment last week after his issue with George. But the craziest part is that Charles liked the meme. Um, and I just love to imagine him like sending this to Max, like, well, <laughs> I'm sure Max found it funny. I don't know if it got sent to a group chat. I have a feeling it didn't. I don't know how George would respond to it. Although George has a pretty good sense of humor about him being a meme. It was funny. Quickly gonna put this in the oven. Alexa, set an alarm for 30 minutes. 30 minutes, starting now. Okay, so lap four, Miami promo. So I'm sure there's going to be way more stuff by the time Sunday rolls around. But so far, here's what's happened up to like 3 p.m. Pacific on a Thursday in Miami. So first, Guan Yu and Valtteri visited the Marlins, did some baseball stuff, boring. I don't care about the Marlins. Um, and then there's a great picture of Esteban, Kevin Magnuson, and Ben Diesel in a really awkward picture, like somewhere in the hallway, like a random, random hallway. And Ben Diesel looks so out of place. Like he looks photoshopped in. Also, side note, I used to think it was Van Diesel, like gas for a car. 
that's a fan. It's not. Um, Lewis Hamilton took part in a basketball game hosted by IWC Watches in Miami, which is IWC Watches sponsors Mercedes. But um, the basketball game also featured James Martin, Marsden, James Marsden, <laughs> um, who is everywhere right now. Um, I really wanted to know where Ronald was. I just assumed that he just follows James around everywhere. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch um, Jury Duty on Amazon. But anyway, Simu Wu was also there. And he's having like a big F1 week, by the way. He he just attended the Met Gala with Daniel and in my fan fiction thoughts, he they, they chat and are best friends now. Um, anyway, my, my one bone to pick with this is that everyone is wearing a basketball uniform. They're wearing the basketball jersey, they're wearing the shorts, except Lewis, who opted for baggy magenta cargo pants. <laughs> like, would it kill him to wear basketball shorts? Also, like, isn't it hot to be playing a basketball game wearing cargo pants? Just like, put on the shorts. I've seen him wear shorts, it can't be that. Like, just put on the shorts. It won't kill you to dress like everyone else for like an hour. Whatever, I guess Lewis, Dressing like everyone else would be a miracle, but um, in other miraculous news, Alpine sent Pierre and Esteban to a NASCAR pit stop activity thing where they both tried to execute a pit stop together. And it was hilarious. Um, they did basically like Pierre picks up a wheel, Esteban removes the wheel from the car, Pierre like barely shoves it on and then Esteban wheels it in and they're being timed and it was like some tragic like amount of time um but they worked together <laughs> they 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 executed this entire pit stop marketing event without Jack Doohan needing to be there shoved in between the two that's insane Progress, progress. Maybe, maybe a pit stop is a really like bonding experience. There was another funny video that came from that where Esteban is like trying to like shove like some sort of stick lever thing under the car. I don't know what it was supposed to be doing, but whatever it was supposed to be doing, it wasn't doing it. And he's just like pushing up and down on this thing and nothing is happening. And Alpine um, social team edited the uh, Harry Potter theme song on it. And it really did look like he was like mounting a broom about to take off for a Quidditch match. Anyway, quality content. I wonder if this is a turnaround for Esteban and Pierre. Could it be? We'll have to see, probably not. There is no way they're friends after putting one tire on a car. Also something I'm noticing <laughs> <laughs> that I am now filming is that I talk a lot with my hands, which doesn't really translate over audio or really in my brain as I'm recording audio. But now that I'm watching myself move my hands a lot, I'm getting uncomfortable. I apologize. <laughs> All right, lap five, paddock fits, helmet edition. So I will talk about the actual paddock fix fits on Sunday to give everyone an opportunity to wear all their planned outfits. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff to come. Um, for the record, there's already been a lot. <laughs> Everyone's putting out like their Miami best, which literally is just linen, silk, palm trees, and like neon pink and green clothes. 
But we'll save the full recap for next time. Today, we're going to be talking about helmets, specifically two helmets. The first is Alex Albin's helmet, which looks like a golf ball. Now, if you listened to last year's pod, you would have heard about my complaints about ball-themed helmets, but this is different. This is obviously like an homage to his girlfriend, Lily, who's a professional golfer. By homage, I think it's like a funny joke. Um, and the only thing that makes all of this better is the reveal that they did. And like, what a fucking reveal, guys. So it's a video of them on a golf course and Lily calls out a number. It's all good. Lily calls out a number and tosses Alex a golf ball. And um, as it's being tossed, it turns into his helmet and lands in front of him. He takes out a golf club and hits it and it flies through the course and out into space. And it really was out of this world. <laughs> um, the best part is they followed this video up with a picture of Alex lying on the ground with the helmet on his head, teed up <laughs> and like Lily about to like hit it. Truly, they are the best co-wags I have ever seen anywhere on this planet in the world ever. Co-wag athletes make the best couples. Like Valtteri and Tiffany are so great to watch too. Like it's, it's, it's ultimate wag content from both of them. But Alex and Lily are the best. <laughs> also, anyway, after that whole spiel, you think that I would be like in a different place when it comes to ball-themed helmets. I'm not. <laughs> um, Alex is an exception to the rule because <laughs> Lando's helmet is a beach ball. A beach ball. <laughs> Last year, TikTok took my video down because I criticized Lando's basketball helmet because all the Lando girlies reported me, even though all I said was that it looked kind of dumb as he like walked back to the garage with like the ball bouncing up and down on the side of the track and that it probably looked kind of funny when it was spinning. That one was probably kind of rude. Um, but I didn't say anything that bad. But anyway, they took it off, even though it was just facts, but basketball helmet is still dumb and I stand by it. And beach ball is not much better. <laughs> Please don't come after me. I love Lando. I just really question his like helmet and cologne choices. <laughs> All right, well, that's the end of our digital warm-up. Do-do-do, on to the track walk. Okay, before we begin the track walk, I'm just gonna show you everything that I finished prepping. So um, the croissants have been magically biscotti. <laughs> it's a burp now. And I have tempered the chocolate, hopefully correctly. There you go. And I will dip as we wander down the Miami track. So a little bit on the history of the Miami track and it's a long one. <laughs> so last year was the first Miami Grand Prix and um, it was, it was an event. Um, everyone came from near and far <laughs> to participate. Um, they spent ages building this track, by the way. Um, and it was basically supposed to be a street circuit without actually using any streets. So this is the second ever Miami Grand Prix. Last year was the first. They spent forever designing and building this track. And it was supposed to basically be like a street circuit without using any actual streets. So like everything in America, it was, it was fake. <laughs> 
Um, and they built it like around the um, Hard Rock Stadium. So in the center is the Hard Rock Stadium. And it was basically supposed to, it was done that way so that it wouldn't distract any of the locals from their day-to-day -day lives. But honestly, it's such a spectacle that I don't really see how how they're not distracted anyway. Um, but anyway, so the track features, this is like its high highlight and glory claim to fame, features a fake marina with fake water. They just painted water-like stuff on the ground, but it also has 10 yachts on it and they're all very much real. Um, Apparently it was like a whole debacle. It took like 10 months to get these 10 yachts imported onto this fake marina. And I don't really know what they're doing with those yachts. In the meantime, are they renting them out? Are they using them for anything? Or are they just like in storage until the Miami Grand Prix rocks around? I guess the only cool thing about the yachts is that you can watch the race from there, but those tickets are like insane. They're like trying to replicate Monaco without it being Monaco and without actually using the marina that Miami actually has at its disposal. I don't know, it's really weird, whatever. Um, the biggest update this year though, is that they are replacing the fake water in the fake marina with real water. So it's gonna be like a kiddie pool. I, I, I don't know. Americans, man. Okay, so the circuit itself has three DRS zones, 19 corners. In theory, it's supposed to be thrilling and there's some parts that are good for overtaking and in theory like create a fun race but last year I don't think any of the drivers had any fun um they all seemed to complain there were a bunch of these issues and I don't know how much of them have been resolved for this year I hope they have because honestly the at this point the only benefit of the Miami Grand Prix is just to like have a bunch of celebrities come and take a picture um but off the track, it's a really great event. So what can you expect this year? So the weather, the weather forecast is as of Thursday, it's expected to rain on Sunday, but it's also gonna be super hot all weekend. And like, who knows what you can actually expect on race day, but like it's whether it rains during the race or before the race or rains at all, it's definitely gonna be humid, which means that the track conditions are going to be questionable, which means that the tire strategy is probably gonna be all over the place. So if anything, we'll just get really confused team radios. So I guess that's something. <laughs> the vibes. So in terms of vibes, I think this is, this is a very important story that I think will really illustrate what kind of vibes you can expect from um, the Miami Grand Prix. So buckle up. Last year, Real Housewife of Miami, Lisa Hochstein, along with Larsa Pippen, also Real Housewife Miami, but also previously best friends with the Kardashians, um, but not anymore. They confronted Lisa's estranged husband at, at Formula One after he like dramatically informed her that he was dumping her and kicking her out of the house after 17 years of marriage, along with their kids for his new girlfriend. And then they, um, and then showed up at F1 where they were both gonna be with his girlfriend like five days later. <laughs> um, very dramatic season, very dramatic content. Sorry, there's chocolate on my hands. Um, very dramatic content and it 
actually created the best hot mic moment that's ever, I think, been seen. Honestly, it was incredible television. Sadly, they didn't show the actual F1 on the show for some reason, but they definitely said F1 a lot. I confronted Lenny at the F1, the F1, the, I don't know why they kept saying the F1. They could have said the Grand Prix, but no, they kept saying the F1. Anyway, so if that's not an indication about what sort of vibe you can expect, then I don't know what is. Basically, Miami Grand Prix is Americans took something that Europeans did well and were like, how do we make this as American as possible? And they did. If there's anything Americans are good at, it's stealing stuff and making it worse. Um, anyway, <laughs> every celebrity, every, every influencer is going to be there. Most of them probably don't know what F1 is. Take it with a grain of salt. Can't be mad at them, okay? Like... They were paid to be there. What are they going to do? Say no. Um, as annoying as it can be to have a bunch of people there that don't know what's going on, it can also be very fun. For example, DTS captured the incredible moment of um, Paris Hilton watching Ferrari practice a pit stop and then going, that's hot. That's literally hot, <laughs> which was an iconic moment. Um we're probably going to see Brundle chase a bunch of celebrities around the track and it's going to be embarrassing because no one's going to pay attention to him. But that's that's what he signed up for, I guess. So basically what I'm saying is don't put too much expectation into the race being good, but the weekend will definitely be fun. Um, another thing to look out for is that the drivers are supposed to be entering the paddock in a different way than usual. So I think they're going to be called out like in American sports where they run out of like the tunnel, something along those lines. But if they're going to be doing that and they're shouting out names, I need for the person shouting out the names to be the guy who um, interviewed everyone post-race last year who called Charles Chuck, which was single-handedly one of the best moments of last year, rivaled only by the moment right after when Charles walks away looking bewildered as fuck. <laughs> it was a great, great couple of minutes. So in terms of predictions, um, okay, well, first, before I get into predictions, I think I should talk a bit, I have some thoughts, outstanding thoughts about the drivers from Baku. When I say outstanding, I mean like leftover, not like my thoughts are so good. <laughs> They're not. Um, so first question that everyone's asking is like, what happened with Nick DeVries? Like everyone had such high hopes for him and nothing. Like he just keeps crashing. Last week was just catastrophic for Nick. He just kept crashing and crashing and, and destroying. Like he must have cost AlphaTauri an insurmountable amount of damage last last week. And Yuki's outperforming him, which to be honest, as a big Yuki fan, I kind of wanted to see Yuki lead the team the way that they were, the way that he was meant to lead them. Um, like Moses into the promised land. Um, anyway, so... That still doesn't answer the question about what happened to Nick. I know the car is super shit. Maybe Yuki is more used to the whole situation. So it's easier for him to drive a shit box than it is for Nick. I don't know. Let's hope he gets a redemption arc soon because including, in addition to Nick, none of the rookies have gotten points yet, including um, Logan Sargent. <laughs> it's a fake name. That's no way it's a real name. Logan Hunter Sargent is fake. Um, 
Again, I'm repeating my theory that Logan Sargent was created in a European factory when they were like, hmm, how do we make a man that is American and put him into F1? Let's name him Logan Sargent. <laughs> That's what came out. Um, but they both have yet to score points. And I don't think this race is going to be the one to do it for them because... I don't know what's going on with Nick, but Log it's Logan Sargent's home race, like home home. He is from Florida and I, um, we all know the curse of the home races. It just never goes to plan. I'd be surprised if he finished the race at all, but I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> also, big question from last week, Charles, was it a, was it a, was it a fluke? Was it, was it the real deal? Will he be able to show up this weekend? Time will tell. <laughs> Another thing that time will tell, Checo, who claims that him and Max are really fine, super great. They just really want to beat each other and push each other to the very, very limit. And they're both like trying to win. How much of that is true and how much of that is just media bullshit? Don't know. But Checo does really seem to be the only person to give Max a run for his money. So, sorry, I think that's right in the microphone. We will have to see. Um, with all of that being said, I think I can very comfortably make a prediction that is like goes so wild and out of pocket that um, Max or Checo will win and Fernando or Charles and or Charles will um, podium. Wild. I, I told you it was wild. I don't know where I come up with these. Anyway. I guess we'll just have to see in like literally just a few days time. At least the format is not like wild like it was last week. I really did not enjoy that. I don't know if I was supposed to. I don't know if I'm in the... Actually, I don't know. The format was the biggest issue last last week. The biggest issue I think was the fact that um, the race sucked ass. <laughs> it was just really, really, really bad. Um, but anyway... The only thing we have to look forward to in the next few days is more palm tree silk outfits from the drivers. We can also see which other driver puts a ball on their helmet because apparently that's a thing now. Um, and I guess what other dumb American thing Miami is going to stuff in an already like overpacked weekend. Anyway, so that um, that's the end of the track walk. And I basically finished chocolating these croissants. They're not dried yet, so I can't actually try it on camera. I kind of want them to dry first, but I will show you the finished result. I swear they're cuter than they look here. I will post a full on picture online. But anyway, I will see you guys in after the race in just a few days. Box, box.